0: You are watching Christ's Commission Fellowship, changing lives for eternity. What a joy, what a privilege to be with you again. Just a quick reminder, our series is on families. We continue this next week, next, next week, we'll be discussing different issues about families. Entitlement, laziness, pornography. So for the coming weeks, it will all be about family. But today, I want to especially share with you how to rebuild relationships. Now, before I do that, would you like to see my family? Okay. This is my children. I have five wonderful children. Do you notice they look like me? Okay. And then, their spouses. And then, the most amazing thing, it's called multiplication. And this is our grandchildren. Praise God. Okay, 17 grandchildren, one is on the way. I think, Lord willing, by this week, I'll have the 18th grandchild. Why is the family important? Why? Have you ever thought about it? Sig Ziegler once said, as the family goes, so goes the nation. What he's saying is based on research. John Unwin, a very famous British anthropologist, studied 80 civilizations over a span of 4,000 years. And this is his conclusion. When the family breaks up, when the family goes down, civilization goes down. Edward Gibbons wrote a book on the decline and fall of the Roman Empire. He analyzed what happened to Rome, the Roman Empire. You see, Rome, the Roman Empire was not defeated by a foreign power. It kind of disintegrate within. Too much taxation, too much pleasure. But one thing is common to all of this, family. When the family breaks down, society breaks down. Rome, the family in Rome, breaking up divorce, remarriage, sexuality, homosexuality, all of this is rampant. When the values are eroded, society begins to go down. The U.S. Center for Health and Human Resources made a study of poverty. They discovered dysfunctional families especially families without fathers, are 400% more living in poverty. Dysfunctional families, their children are more into drugs. 70% of high school dropouts are from fatherless home. This is shocking, but true, even in the Philippines. And People have to realize the reality that the family is under attack. So, what can we do to protect our families? We, we need to influence our families. So, what's the message, everybody? Modeling, relationship, intentionality. Intentionality. How do you impact your family? M-R-I. What's number one? Louder. What's number two? Relationships. What's number three? intentionality. Next week, we will talk about intention, intentionality. But today, I'm going to talk about relationships. A few weeks ago, we talked about modeling. How many of you are parents? Raise your hands. Grandparents, raise your hands. Okay, all of you, parents, grandparents, stand up. I want you to read with me your responsibilities. Parents, stand up. Mothers, stand up also, okay? So, parents. Now, parents, read the following aloud. How do you influence your family? Parents, read. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. These words which I'm commanding you today shall be on your heart. In other words, before you can impact your children, you have to model Loving God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. Why is love so emphasized? Because if you love your family, you must first love God so you will model what it means to love God. And when your children love the Lord, you will not have a problem with pornography, you will not have problem with premarital sex, you will not have problem with teenage pregnancy. That you will not have a problem with drug addiction because your children love the Lord. Are we communicating? Now, how do you do that? You model it, and then you must teach it. So, parents, read together. You shall teach them diligently to your sons. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house. When you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up, you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. The Bible is very emphatic. You got to model this. Inside the house, you model this outside the house. When you leave the house, on the doorpost, when you leave, on the gates where you work, you got to model. Your children will become what you are and who you are. And last week, parents, how do you impact your children? You got to build relationships. How do you build relationships, parents? A, C, T. You got to act on this. What is A, C, T? A, affirmation. C, communication. T, time. So everybody, you got to build relationships. How do you build relationships with your children? Number one, affirm. Your home must be predictably happy, predictably positive. What is C? Communicate by listening. Turn to each other. Tell each other, Listen. Point to your ears. Listen, listen, listen. And what is tea? Time. You got to have time. I've asked my daughter to share with us the importance of applying these principles so as to influence them. Thank you. Sit down. Let's welcome my daughter, Dr. Carolyn.
1: Good afternoon. It really is a privilege for me today to stand before you just to share a couple things of how my parents really impacted me and how they built um, their relationship with me. And I know that most of you know that growing up, we were in a family where my parents made it a point to come home for dinners, that they would come over to, um, they would walk with us and talk with us along the way. And also, we spent time, like my dad would take us golfing, or we would have time as a family um, on family vacations, and it would just be our family. So that way, we really were able to build a bond and a relationship that meant a lot. And you know, even though my dad was busy with his work and he worked in Makati, he would still make it a point to get home to Valley Golf every night. And because I was homeschooled by my mom in the younger years, I really felt like she built a relationship with us because she was there, she was present. And um, even when I went to high school and off to college, we had a lot of activities because both, uh, all of us in the family were athletic, we, we played sports, we did music. But you know, one of the ways my parents showed us that we were a priority and that they wanted to invest in our relationship is that they would make it a point to be at these events. It was either my mom or my dad or sometimes both. And so it was really, it really had a big impact on me. So I, the point is, they, they made me feel like I was a priority. I wasn't just a second-class citizen at home. And um, because I felt like I was a priority, then I felt like I could talk to my parents about anything. So by God's grace, through most of the major, if not all the major decisions in my life, my parents were really there to just guide me, to pray for me, to listen and to help me along the way, and you know, it was as if um, there was a time I felt like maybe I might be judged for sharing something that, um, that I liked this guy who was not a follower of Jesus, and so I didn't want to share it at first to my parents, but even that thought, God reminded me, no, you should share it because your parents do love you, And, you know, by God's grace alone, when I shared that with them, they just, they they took me inside and they said, it's okay, honey, you know, we'll pray for you. They didn't say, oh, you shouldn't feel that way. Shouldn't like a person who doesn't love Jesus. You know, they weren't like that at all. They were very loving and they helped me through the process of being restored to not being attracted to that person anymore, even though it took a long time. Now, you know, my parents are not perfect and they had their share and they still have their share of mistakes. But one of the things I appreciate about them and has helped to build our relationship and deepen my own respect for them is that when they do make a mistake, they're, they're open and honest about it and they ask for forgiveness. They're even willing to say, I'm sorry. So they don't try to display pers- perfection, but they show honesty and authenticity So one time, my mom, um, she got upset about how my dad uh, said something. And so she responded in a tone, in a tone that was a little disrespectful. But you know, by God's grace, she came back to us that evening and told all of us. She called us all together and she said, you know, kids, when I did that to your dad, it was wrong. Will you forgive me? And of course, we said, yes, we will forgive you. And thank you for telling us. And that just spoke a lot about them being w- humble enough to, to say sorry. Another time, my dad, Naman, <laughs> um, was not being kind to... I, he, he said something that was not very kind to my mom. So we went out after for a walk like we usually do. And I just said, you know, dad, it seemed a little harsh when you said that to mom. And so when he got back to the house, he apologized to mom as well. And he apologized to us for his tone. So just those small things showed me that, hey, my parents are willing to listen. And that built relationship um, through, through the years. And then recently, we just concluded the family breakthrough weekend retreat. All the pastors and their kids were there, so we were included. And one of the sessions there was for the kids to ask, actually for the parents to ask the kids, how have I hurt you? And how can I improve? And will you forgive me for X, Y, Z? So here we are, we're all adults now with all our spouses because I'm the youngest of five kids. So we were all gathered together around our parents. And they asked this question, how have we hurt you? And you'd be surprised. But one by one, we all started sharing how our dad or our mom, mostly our dad, <laughs> had hurt us <laughs> through the years. And um, I even shared with them that, you know, mom and dad, sometimes I feel bad that you, you spend more time with your, the other kids, because I live farther away. And uh, so I was, you know, a little teary. And so I'm confessing to you guys my jealousy sometimes, because um, they get to see the other kids more. But because we were able to share that, they came back and apologized and said, we're sorry, will you forgive us? To the point that just the other day, my mom visited me in the clinic out of nowhere, and I felt really touched and really loved by that. So they listen, and they continue to improve by God's grace. And as a result, to this day, I I really do enjoy talking to my parents, and I really like going to them for advice. And, you know, the most important decision I ever made was because my parents led me to Jesus, and I committed to be a follower of Jesus as a result of the relationship I saw with my parents and their relationship with Jesus. And then the, and most, a lot of you know that the second most important de- decision that I ever made, um, who I would marry, my wonderful husband, Joel, wherever, oh, yes, he's there, um, was also as a result of my relationship with my parents. Because did you know that my father liked Joel before I liked Joel? Yes. He was the one that said, Baby, will you ever consider this man named Joel? And I said, Huh? Who's that? No. <laughs> I, I, honestly, I wouldn't have. Um, but because I know my father loves me and he desires what's best for me, and we had that relationship, I listened by God's grace and prayed about it. And I am with my wonderful husband today because God used my parents in that way. And had it not been for them, I would have missed out on God's best. But I just want to end with sharing a little bit of my own learnings. You know, I'm a mom now of, of two kids. Uh, one is three and one is one. And honestly, um, for children, relationship and love is really spelled time. And I, I must confess that for the first um, two years of my eldest daughter's life, I wasn't really around because I was finishing up my degree in medicine. And so it was challenging because um, I really wanted to spend time and build that relationship. But just the fear, mere fact of not being there really... Was made it a little bit more difficult. And so now that I'm more home, because I'm finished with my degree, I've tried by God's grace to start building that relationship up more. And I'm not perfect. Like the other day, I was just on my... I was talking to my daughter. She's three, okay? And I was on the cell phone also. And she started talking louder. Mommy, mommy! And I'm I'm like, Natasha, are you talking louder because you're trying to get my attention? And she said, yes, because you're... She knew I was on my phone, so I wasn't really listening. And she picked that up and I realized, you know, kids know if we're listening or not. And I really want to be a better mom and listen to her more and uh, the other as well. So, and, and, and sometimes I wonder, do I really prioritize my kids? Because it's easier for me to get to the clinic on time than it is for me to wake up early in the morning to take them down for a walk. Sometimes I'll just want to sleep a little bit more. So, what am I prioritizing? Anyway, these are just the lessons I've learned. And I praise God, though, for the example that my parents have and how they continue to build relationships with us even to this day, inviting us over for dinner. And I just ask for your prayers that we, too, would be the kind of parents that God wants us to be. So, thank you. And to God be the glory.
0: The closer the relationship, the greater the influence. How is, your rel- how is your relationship with your children? Be intentional, OK? And how do you do it? ACT means what? Affirm. Positive words. See? Communicate. T. time. Now I want all children to stand up. Children, please stand up. If you're living with your parents, stand up. I want you to read something. Children. No perfect parents. Parents, no perfect children. All right? Young people, children, staying with parents. Adults staying with parents. Okay. Ready? Read the following. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Notice the word, children. Young people, obey. Why? Because this is what God wants you to do. Read the next verse, if you're Children are ordered, older children. The the other word is honor. Let's read. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Notice, the Old Testament and the New Testament, one book. Last week, we talked about why you want to teach your children obedience so they will be blessed. Children, why must you obey your parents? Answer, why? Excuse me, children. I want to motivate you. Why should you obey your parents? Everybody read. The first commandment with a promise. What is the promise? It may be well with you. It may be well with you. Parents, make it easier for your children to obey you. Children, sit down. Parents, stand up. Parents, this is for you. Your children want to obey you. You taught them how to obey you, but please, don't make it hard for them to obey you. So parents, read the following. Parents only. Ready, go. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. This is a command. The command is, do not provoke them. In other words, they were already provoking their children. Look at a similar verse in the Bible. Let's read this together. Fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they will not lose heart. Again, the command, do not exasperate. What? is the meaning of the word exasperate provoked in Tagalog. sa buhay. Hey guys, do not exasperate your children. How do you exasperate your children? Can you give three examples to each other? How do we exasperate our children? Think about it. I will give you a hint. This is the hint. How do you build relationship? ACT. What's A? Affirmation. You know how you exasperate children? You do the opposite. Constant criticism. Keep telling them what's wrong with them. Keep correcting them. That's how you exasperate them. Don't ever make them feel like they are worth anything. What is C? Communicate. How do you exasperate them? Don't listen to them. Be totally unreasonable. That's how you exasperate children. You're not listening. What is tea? Time. Do the opposite. Be too busy. Don't spend time with them. Just give them things. My friend, how do we exasperate our children? Can I give you some more examples? Parents, would you like to learn? All right. This is for you, parents. Children are very happy right now. They're very happy right now. All right. This is how we exasperate our children, all right? On top of constant criticism, failure to listen, too busy, parents, unreasonable rules. You are too strict. You are worse than Moses. Moses gave 10 commandments. You have so many unreasonable rules, crazy rules, totally unreasonable. You exasperate them. The word exasperate means what? You tire them out. You are totally unreasonable. The Chinese idea for exasperation is this. You let them lose heart. Chin sim. Their heart gets cold. Temper. You know, when parents shout at their children, you exasperate them. You provoke them by shouting. Please don't do that. Just because you are parents, does not mean you can shout at your children. Failure to keep commitments. You have so many promises. We will do this, we will do that. But you don't keep your commitments. This is the a big one, hypocrisy. You know how you provoke them, how you exasperate them? You are one face, one style when you go to Sunday. Smile, hey, hey. then when you go home, you act like the devil. Hypocrisy. Do you know why 90% of young people in America don't go back to church after they leave home? Hypocrisy. Pretending to be somebody. You pretend to be a Christian. You come on Sunday. You ask them to read the Bible. But on Monday to Saturday, they don't see Christ at home. And that, my friend, is how you and I exasperate our children. How else do we exasperate our children, parents? Favoritism Favoritism is the seed of future family animosity. Are there any other ways we exasperate our children? Many other ways, okay? Just examine your own life. Comparison, always comparing. Folks, I want you to realize, parenting is a very serious task. The devil wants to get your children. Please, cooperate with God. Teach them properly by being a good example. you got to model. R, build good relationship. And T, what is M-R-I? I I is what? Be intentional. So I want you to attend the next few Sunday messages. It's all about engaging the family. Amen? Thank you. Please sit down. How do you know... Your children are hurt. Can I tell you? What's the message today? The message today is very simple. Everybody read this. Reboot your relationships. Say that with me. Reboot your relationships. Why? When you exasperate your children, they get hurt. How do you know your children are hurt? How do you know? Can I show you some symptoms? All right. Here are the symptoms. of Wounded spirit. Your children are hurt. Symptom number one, they suddenly become quiet. During eating time, they don't talk anymore. Another symptom, they try to avoid you. They withdraw from you. Another symptom, they suddenly become very sarcastic. They become very critical. These are symptoms of a wounded spirit. You know something is wrong. They avoid you. So what do you do? Reboot your relationships. Everybody say that with me, reboot. Now, why did I use the word reboot and not restore or not uh, rebuild? Because I like to speak to the new generation. Do you know the meaning of the word reboot? Yes. When something's wrong with your computer, the operational system, if something is wrong, what do you do? You reboot. When your computer crashes, when, when, when your relationship crashes, what must you do? Reboot. So tell your neighbor, reboot your relationships with your family. Say that with me. Look at me. You need to learn this because conflict is inevitable. In fact, turn to your neighbor. Tell your neighbor. We will have conflict sooner or later. Tell your neighbor. Can I tell you why? Because we're different. You look at things differently. Conflict is inevitable. But conflict is not always bad. In fact, conflict is good. If you know how to reboot relationship. I used to be afraid of conflict. My management style was avoidance of conflict until I learned in my leadership classes, conflict is inevitable. Everybody have their own opinion. However, you need to learn to resolve, reboot relationships. By the way, in the Philippines, how do we resolve conflict? In the Philippines, the Asian way, how? The Filipino way, the Chinese way, the Asian way. Korean way. How do we resolve conflict? Let me share with you how. The wrong way. Two extreme. One extreme. Pretend there's no conflict. It's called denial. Sweeping under the rug. When you attend a D group meeting, hehehe, per may utang ito sa akin, ay magbayad. Okay, you, you, you don't want to talk about it, okay? Because you avoid it. Bad. It does not bring people closer. What is the other approach? Attack. Slander them. Gossip. You don't talk to them. You talk to other people. Alam mo, siya, no, ganito, ganito. My friend, that's wrong. Gossiping, slandering, talking to other people, that is not biblical. What is the Bible way? The Bible way is lovingly, Confront, lovingly communicate, say, you know what, we have an issue here. Let's talk about it. Do you want to learn how to reboot relationships? Yes or no? You need to learn this. Because sooner or later, repeat, tell your neighbor, we are going to have conflict. Tell your neighbor. Magaawai tayo. Sooner or later, okay? We are going to have misunderstanding. Here is how you reboot relationships. Everybody, from the acronym GIF. Relationships, it's a gift from God. We all want to be loving. We all want to have harmony. Yes or no? Of course. Now, but the truth is this, there will be misunderstanding. So how do you do it? Number one, you must know it's God's will. In your mind, it is God's will for us to resolve conflict. Number two, you got to initiate. Don't pretend it doesn't exist. you got to initiate this. F, you got to forgive. There's no other way to resolve, to reboot relationships. Until you are willing to forgive, and you ask forgiveness. Everybody, say that with me. Forgive? Ask forgiveness. And you need to trust God. Some people feel they will step on me again. If I forgive them, they will take advantage of me again. My friend, you trust God. You do what He wants you to do. I will now share with you from the Bible, these four simple principles. How to reboot relationships. Everybody, what is the message today? Reboot your relationships. Because you and your family will surely have conflict. But you got to reboot it now. Let's read this together. What did Jesus say we're supposed to do? Everybody read. Therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar, and there remember your brother has something against you. There, you remember your brother, your mother, your children. They have something against you. You remember your pastor. You remember your D group member. They have something against you. What must you do? Everybody read. Leave your offering. There, before the altar, and go first, take the initiative. Go first, be reconciled to your brother, to your children, to your wife, to your family members, to your co-workers, and then come and present your offering. Let me ask you a question. Is worship important? How do they worship? They bring an offering to show you the power of what Jesus is saying. In the time of Jesus, there is only one temple for the Jewish people to worship. It is in Jerusalem. If you live in Galilee, it will take you three, four days of walking, or riding camel, or riding donkeys. Now, imagine, I want to worship. I go to Jerusalem. I live in Nazareth. I live in Galilee, okay? I live in Caesarea Philippi. I live somewhere there. So, I now go to Jerusalem. And then when I was about to enter the temple, I remember, my wife has something against me. The Bible says, what must you do? Leave your offering. Don't even worship. Go back. Fix the relationship. Now, what is Jesus saying? My friend, you must know the heart of God. The heart of God is He wants us to live in harmony. If you love God, God says you must love one another. Don't play games with God. It is unbelievable today when so many Christians are not discipled and taught properly. I've seen Christians, they refuse to talk to each other. Just yesterday, somebody was telling us, my two children, my two adult children, they don't want to talk to each other. So I asked them, what church do you go to? Mabuti na lang, hindi CCF. But it doesn't matter. I'm sure there are people like that in CCF also. I said, your two daughters go to your church. I said, are they Christian? How can you be a follower of Jesus and not obey Jesus? When he says, if you want to worship, and there you remember somebody or something against you, what must you do? Fix up that relationship. So friends, I'm going to tell you starting today, you have no excuse not to obey Jesus in fixing relationship. You got to drop what you are doing, go there and say, you know, brother, I noticed you have something against me. Now, it does not mean it will always work out. I've done that a couple of times. I have some people, to this day, they don't want to talk to me. I've done my part. You know why? I keep the door open. I keep reaching out. Friends, how do you reboot relationship? What's number one? God's will. You must know this is what God wants you to do. Let's read this together. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Everybody, I want you to see the heart of God. Now, all these things are from God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. The Bible tells us God has given us a ministry. What is this ministry? The ministry of reconciliation. Reconciling people to God because God is a model of reconciliation. Read the next verse. Namely, God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And He has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Notice reconciliation involves forgiveness, not counting their trespasses against them. You want reconciliation? There has to be forgiveness. You know why God is so emphatic on reconciliation, on family unity? Can I show you another verse? Why this is so important? Everybody read this together. By this, all men will know you are my disciples if you have love for one another. The Bible says the best way to witness to the world to your office mates, to your neighbors, as a family, you show them you love each other. As a CCF members, let us love each other. Do you mind telling your neighbor, let's love one another. Let's love each other. Tell your neighbor. Love each other. Okay. Look at them in the eyes. Tell them. I love you. But the truth is this. There will be conflict. So how do you resolve conflict? Very simple. It's a gift. What is G? It's God's will. God commands us. What can be more important than worship? And God is saying, you want to worship me? Reconcile, obey me. What is I? Initiative. What is F? Forgiveness. Be willing to forgive. What is T? Trust God. I will now share with you from the Bible, an an example of taking initiative. Let's read. Genesis chapter 13. Everybody, there was strife between the herdsmen of Abraham's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. The Canaanite and the Perisite were dwelling then in the land." You notice, the Bible says, if you read Genesis chapter 13, God blessed Abraham with so much wealth, lots of goats, lots of sheep, lots of herds. Lot was his nephew. Lot was blessed also. So you have so much blessing that the land cannot accommodate both families. That's the background. And then the Bible inserted a sentence. This is the insertion. The Canaanite and the Perizzite were dwelling in the land. These are the unbelievers. Abraham was conscious that there are unbelievers surrounding them. So what did he do? Everybody read. Abraham said to Lot, let there be no strife between you and me. He took the initiative, nor between my herdsman and your herdsman. We are brothers." Do you understand? You must make it a point to take initiative to resolve conflict. Before it happens, so much the better. Do something about it, but don't pretend it does not exist. Let's continue reading. It's not the whole land before you. Please, separate from me. To the left, I'll go to the right. To the right, I'll go to the left. What can you see the heart of Abraham? For Abraham, reconciliation is more important. The values of Abraham is relationship. Not economic gain. He's offering lot. Pumili ka Tagalog. If you want this piece of property, yours. I'll go here. If you want to go to the right, I go to the left. What can make Abraham offer such an amazing offer? It's called what? Trust. For Abraham, relationship is important. And then Lot lifted up his eyes, saw all the valley of the Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. As you go to Zohar, those of you who have been to the Middle East, to Holy Land last week, two weeks ago, you cannot imagine the landscape has changed. In those days, the southern part, in Edom, that's full of garden, full of trees, full of water. You know what Lot did? Lot did something. Lot chose for himself all the valley of the Jordan and Lot journeyed eastward. Thus they separated from each other. As of now, in Tagalog, sinong In English, who is at a disadvantage as of now? If your business is cattle, ranching, sheep, goats, What is important for you? Water and grass. Yes or no? Now, your nephew took all of the nice properties. So, as of now, who is at the advantage? Who is at the disadvantage? Louder? don't dehado, Abraham. But can I tell you something? God was protecting Abraham. You know why? Because when Lot chose Sodom and Gomorrah, the Bible tells us something about Sodom and Gomorrah. Let's read together. Abraham settled in the land of Canaan while Lot settled in the cities of the valley and moved his family as far as Sodom. The men of Sodom were wicked exceedingly and sinners. Many times, our values are not in the right place. You need to trust God, follow God's way. When you follow God's way, believe it or not, many times, it may seem like you're losing. But look at the big picture. Let me show you the big picture. What's the big picture? The Lord said to Abraham, after Lot had separated from him. What is God's promise? Lift up your eyes. Look from the place where you are, north, south, east, west. All the land which you see, I will give it to you and your descendants. In other words, to understand reconciliation, you need to trust God. Your values have to be godly. What happened to Lot? Can anybody tell me what happened to Lot eventually? If you read the Bible, Lot lost everything. All the fortunes, all the condominium, all the houses that Lot owned, he lost everything. He lost his wife. He lost his two daughters, morally speaking. That's why you have the Edomites. You have the Ammonites. In the end, Abraham chose God. You know why? Ladies and gentlemen, to trust God, you must believe in your heart today that blessing does not come from geography. Blessing It's not dependent on the land. Blessing is dependent on the Lord. I know some of you, you want to send your children abroad. I want to warn you. When you send your children abroad, you think twice. What kind of spiritual influence are they gaining? Are they getting? Because many times we just think of material things. You want your children to be blessed materially. I'm not against that, but I'm saying you think twice. Are your children ready to face temptations? What is the use of having material blessings, but spiritually, you're a your whole family? So friends, reconsider what is important. And when you resolve conflict, you must always put God first. How do you resolve conflict? God. G. What is I? Initiate. Humble yourself. What is F? Be willing to forgive. Be willing to forego rights. You know, you have to surrender certain rights sometimes for reconciliation. Let go of the rights to be right. Sometimes you have to forego the right to be heard, the right to be understood. Sometimes you let that go. When I approach people for reconciliation, I put in my mind, I have forgiven that person. I choose to forgive that person. And I'm no longer going to embarrass him or prove to him that he is wrong. I am prepared to let go of my rights. What is important is relationship. I've invited a few people in my life that has conflict with CCF or with me. And the invitation is always open. Just this week, I texted a brother. Let's have lunch. Let's have dinner. And the reply is, not now. No problem. But my heart is always, I want to obey the Lord. What must you do? Reboot relationships. Can I tell you something? The truth is, we will all have these kind of problems. My wife and I, we've been married, what? 40, going 44 years. Mind it was just like yesterday, okay? Believe it or not, my wife and I, sometimes we had conflict. Recently, I felt misjudged. I felt misunderstood. I was wounded spirit in my spirit. You know what my wife did? She came to me. She said, honey, will you please forgive me? Of course. I said, honey, I forgive you. Yesterday, I received a phone call from one of our leaders. He said, Peter, i like to quit the ministry already. i like to quit. He's a pastor of a big congregation. I said, what's the problem? He said, my wife. I said, what's the problem? My wife. I said, what? Welcome to the club. I said, welcome to the club. But I said, don't do anything drastic. Let's have lunch today. I'm speaking up to 1.30. We will have lunch. Praise God. By night time, I received another message. Pastor, okay na. Okay na. My wife has come to her senses. However, when I come back from Africa, I told him I'm going to Africa on Monday. Okay, I'm leaving. I, I have to speak. He said, let's get together again. But isn't God amazing? God knows how to fix problems, provided you are willing to reboot. He took the initiative. He said, Let's talk. We got to talk to Peter. It's okay to use intermediary. You understand? It's good to have mediation. But avoid the extreme. Pretend it does not exist. Withdraw. You know, some people, their method of reconciliation, withdraw. Do you see the problem with your brother? No more problem. Why? I don't talk to him anymore. (laughs) That is not the approach, okay? The other extreme is what? Gossip. You criticize. No, no. Resolve it. How do you resolve it? Take initiative. If you need a mediator, get the mediator. You need a pastor to help you, talk to a pastor. The key is this. Everybody, please read together. If possible, as far as it depends on you, what must you do? Be at peace with all men. It may not always be solved, but do your best to be at peace with all people. Take initiative. How do you reboot relationships? You ask the following three questions. This is my advice to you. How do you reboot relationships? I'm going to ask a family to come up here soon to give you a demonstration of how to apply this. Three questions. Number one, how have I hurt you? Number two, how can I improve? Number three, will you forgive me? Parents, I want you to do this with your children tonight. Rule number one, beware of being defensive. In other words, close your mouth. Don't answer. Don't talk. Just listen, listen, listen. Three questions you ask your children. Number one, how have I hurt you? Number two, how can I improve? Number three, will you forgive me? Be patient. Let God do the work. Can I tell you why? The key is forgiveness. Everybody, let's read this together. Forgiveness is the key that unlocks the door of resentment and the handcuff of hatred. It is the power that breaks the chains of bitterness and the shackles of selfishness." My friend, some of you are handcuffed. You are shackled. You have bitterness, anger. And that's my concern. Some of you are not able to forgive because you have been hurt. The author of this statement, Corey Ten Boom, experienced pain. She was in the Nazi camp. Her sister, Betsy, died in the same camp. Her father died in the camp. She was the lone survivor. She hated the Nazi. When she went back to Germany after liberation, after talking about Jesus, a big German guy came forward and Corrie Ten Boom recognized the German soldier. That German guy was a Nazi officer. She remembered the humiliation, how they would be undressed in front of the men. She remembered the emotional pain, but she remembered her sister Betsy telling her, Corrie, when you get out of this place, you got to tell the world That there is no pit so deep that God is not there. She learned forgiveness. When the guy came to see her, the guy stretched out his hand and she was reluctant at first. Then she stretched out her hand. They began to hug each other. You know why? Forgiveness is what God asked us to do. In fact, Peter came to Jesus Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? How many times? Seven times? Jesus said, no, no, no. I do not say to you seven times, but up to 70 times seven. The Romans worship the God of vengeance, the God of revenge. We should not forgive. Jesus says, forgive. How many times? 70 times seven. Can you turn to your neighbor? Tell your neighbor, I will always forgive you. Tell your neighbor. Do you know General Oglethorpe said to John Wesley, I never forgive and I never forget. And this man of God, John Wesley, said, Then, sir, I hope you never sin. So to those of you who will not forgive, that is my statement to you. I hope you will never sin. Because you need forgiveness. In fact, Jesus tells us, forgiveness is unilateral. You don't wait for people to come to you and ask for forgiveness. You must be willing to forgive and forgive. Whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father who is in heaven will also forgive you your transgressions. Forgive. Even before they come to you, you forgive and you go to them. Forgiveness must be immediate, whether or not a person asks for it, trust must be revealed over time. Can I tell you the danger of not forgiving? This is the danger. Everybody read this. Be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. That's why you must forgive. Do not give the devil an opportunity. Do you know in all my experiences, when it comes to demonization, demon possession cases, majority of them are people full of bitterness. People who are controlled by the devil don't know it. But the root problem is bitterness, anger. You don't think straight anymore. You don't even know. Full of bitterness, full of anger. You need to learn to forgive You need to fix relationships. Forgiveness, according to Corey Ten Boom, okay? This is amazing. Look at what she said. Forgiveness is an act of the will. And the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. If you want to wait until you feel like forgiving, you will not forgive. Forgiveness is an act of obedience. God commands me, I choose to forgive. And once you forgive, feeling will come later. But do not wait until you feel like forgiving. If you don't mind, let's welcome Dr. Glenn and his family to share with us the importance of forgiveness. Let's welcome them.
2: I thought I was doing well as a father to my five kids until seven or eight years ago. Pastor Peter asked me and my family to join in a family retreat in Batangas to be one of the facilitators of the breakout groups. After one of the messages that Pastor Peter um, gave, he instructed us not to meet anymore with uh, our breakout group, but that all parents should break up, break out with their family members. And the parents were to ask just one question to their children which was, how can I improve as a parent? And there was a rule. The rule was that we just let our children talk and the parent wasn't supposed to talk back or defend, but just to zip his lips and listen. So as the father, I started breakout session with them by asking, how can I improve as a father? Then I closed my mouth. That was the rule. There was silence. No one was talking. But when one started to talk, they really talked. Um, They talked about how I hurt them by the things I do, the tone of my voice, my sarcastic words, my ways at home, my decisions, how I talk to their mother, how I don't listen, and so much more. As they were talking, there were times when I wanted to explain myself because they misunderstood, but I couldn't do so because the rule was to keep my mouth shut. All I did was to write down uh, what they, they were saying on my notebook. And so that I will remember. We started talking at 9 PM and there were many families in that big hall. I remember at about 10 PM, one hour later, half of the families left already. They were done, but we were still talking at about 11 p.m. two hours later only five or six families were left in that huge hall good thing it wasn't only me left but because i saw pastor peter also listening to his children by 11:30 p.m. we were the only ones left and finally all of my children finished talking i said praise god my wife asked if she could talk, and I thought to myself, yes, finally, here's someone to rescue me and explain my side. So she started talking, and it was about me again. So we, we ended up we ended at 12 midnight. We were the ones who turned off the light, the aircon, locked the hall. But you know, as we were going to our room, I felt so light. I felt so good inside because I, I knew that it was a start of healing of the many wounds in our family, wounds that I have created. I had so many blind spots that were revealed, and by God's grace, I started correcting them.
3: As you see, I've learned that the family will never be perfect. I was greatly affected by emotional wounds growing up because I didn't know how to process the unmet expectations in our family. Through our family opening up to one another, I was able to process the things that I felt, and I saw the lies of Satan. I realized that our whole family had the same intention and heart to restore our family relationship. This made me realize that my my family is not the enemy, but that we should work together by being honest and humble when one gets hurt. The more we open up and process things together, the more we understand each other. And this leads to a stronger family relationship at home. I honestly thought that we would never get to open up about our love lives to each other, because of the awkwardness and fear of being judged. But by God's grace, He has been helping our family to break the walls between us. And recently, when a man wanted to pursue me, instead of hiding it from my parents and feeling awkward about it, I opened up to them. And even after some time, when God made it clear to me to let go of that dating relationship, God helped me to be open to my parents again. Instead of them disregarding my sharing about the heartbreak, dad and mom listened prayed with me, and helped me process what I was going through. Now, I'm encouraged even more to break walls in my family by being open, building trust, and believing the best in each other. Sometimes, I'm still scared of opening up about my struggles and hurts with my family because I fear that they will just judge me again as being too sensitive or emotional. Other times, I feel afraid that if I don't perform at a certain level, I would be labeled as the black sheep, or not Spirit-filled, but this reminds me that healing for our family is ultimately not dependent on our performance and that we need to trust in God when He says that He will be the one to perfect the healing in our family in His time. For me to experience His work in our family, I cannot just trust Him in my mind. I also have to trust Him completely by obeying Him, choosing to forgive and trust and serve and show love to my family, even when I feel scared. Early this year, a simple misunderstanding escalated to a heated discussion after dinner. Afraid, angry, and in pain, I withdrew to my room. It seemed like there was still no lasting change in the family, despite our commitments. But God told me to swallow my pride and share my heart, even if I was afraid of getting hurt or disappointed. There were tears. We all ended up talking for hours and learned to listen in humility, with no one leaving the table until there was reconciliation. I didn't like going home before, but I do like going home now. It feels safer, even though we still experience conflicts and humbling conversations like this. It may seem easier to just dismiss or withdraw from each other, but in the power of the Holy Spirit, We can choose to stay committed in growing together by working things out. Sometimes it can get really ugly and hurtful, and not everyone will respond the way you'd expect, even with me. I can get defensive at times when my dad or my younger siblings would correct me. And among us, even towards mom and dad, there's pride, there's unforgiveness, there's raising of voices, there's answering back. But even if it already looks impossible at that moment, Each of us can know and believe that with God, there's hope for healing in the family, not because everyone's cooperating, because that doesn't always happen, but because of a constantly faithful, loving, and sovereign God who promises to finish the work that He started in us when we gave our lives to Him. Seeing our children being able to process and resolve conflicts It brings me so much joy, but it is not because of us as parents, but because of their personal relationship with our Lord Jesus, and they have chosen to obey Him.
2: I hope I can say that we never had any family issues after, but no, there were many misunderstandings, irritations, troubles that followed. But by God's grace, we are now able to resolve conflicts sooner and even have genuine love for each other. All praises be to our loving Father.
0: Praise God. Let us pray for this wonderful family. Dr. Glenn is an inspiration to many pastors. He's a doctor, a real doctor. The wife is a real doctor. They serve in North Edson, and it's one of the fastest growing uh, CCF satellites. You know why? Because of the humility and godliness of our brother. Did you learn something from them? That pastor's family have conflicts. Our family have conflicts. We are not perfect. What is important is authenticity and the willingness to resolve it. Don't withdraw. Don't gossip. Don't attack. Humble yourselves. Everybody, let's stand up and pray. Father God, I thank you for Dr. Glenn and Ellen, for their families, for their family and their children. Will you guide them, protect them, Use each one of them mightily for your kingdom, for your glory. Give Dr. Glenn wisdom as he leads and Ellen, as he supports, that this family will bring honor and bring many to your kingdom. And I pray for the other families that are hurting, that you will speak to all of us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Thank you. Thank you. Let's summarize. How do we reboot relationships, everybody? Gift, it's a gift. It's a gift you give to people. It's God's gift to you. G, God's will. Initiate. Don't withdraw. Forgive. Ask for forgiveness. And above all, you trust God. The Bible tells us, everybody, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, be put away. Along with all malice. That's what happens when there is unforgiveness. When there is unforgiveness, bitterness comes. Wrath follows. However, everybody read Be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving each other, as God in Christ has forgiven you. Do you notice? The Bible says, Forgive as you have experienced forgiveness. Look at that verse. You cannot forgive properly until you experience forgiveness. Forgiving each other as God in Christ has forgiven everybody? You. And that's why the evidence of genuine salvation is forgiveness. If you are not able to forgive, it's because you have not experienced forgiveness. Do you know why I forgive people? I'm a great sinner and I've been forgiven. Somebody once said, forgiveness is very costly. Let me repeat, forgiveness is costly. Children can go wrong. They hurt their parents. Parents can choose to forgive. But when parents forgive, It is in the context of broken heart. It is in the context of tears. Forgiveness is costly. Human forgiveness is costly. But can I tell you something? Divine forgiveness is even more costly. As this author once said, forgiveness is the most costly thing in the world. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why it is costly. Because for God to forgive us, it costs Him His Son. You see, God loves you. But God is holy. A holy God must judge sin. And sin can only be forgiven when it is punished. Jesus took your place on the cross and that's why it is costly. Let me show you the Bible verse. Namely, everybody read, God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. He has given to us the word of reconciliation. How in the world can God not count their trespasses? The answer, next verse. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Let me repeat. The reason why God can forgive us is simply this. He made Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin in our behalf. He took your place on the cross. So that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. The righteousness of Jesus was given to us. On the cross, you have what you call complete substitution. My sin in the body of Jesus, my righteousness from Jesus. My friend, forgiveness is costly. It is the most costly thing in the world because Jesus paid the ultimate price. How is your relationship with people? You need to forgive. Let's bow our heads. If God has been speaking to you, and you want to experience real forgiveness, you have never understood forgiveness in the past. You find it hard to forgive people. You have bitterness, perhaps because you have not experienced forgiveness, but today you want to experience real forgiveness. I want to pray for you. Will you raise your hands? If you want to experience real forgiveness, assurance of forgiveness from God, will you raise your hands? Higher. I want to pray for you. In other words, you have never been assured of complete forgiveness in the past, but today you want to experience complete forgiveness because of Jesus. I will pray for you. Raise your hands higher. You know what? It's always in times like this, when God speaks to you, as your heads are bowed down and your hands raised up, I want you to pray this prayer between you and Jesus. Something like this. If you want to experience forgiveness, and then you want me to pray that you can forgive others also, okay? But first, you want to experience forgiveness from God. Will you raise your hands? Higher. You want to experience forgiveness from the Lord. God says you must be willing to forgive, okay? So let's pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I need forgiveness. I find it hard to forgive others. Today, I realize you died on the cross for all of my sins. Lord Jesus, you took my sins. You bore the penalty. It is a very expensive price to pay. But I thank you that you died on the cross in my place. And by your death and suffering, by your shed blood on the cross, I can have forgiveness. I now receive forgiveness, Lord God, because of Jesus. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for taking my place on the cross. Help me, Lord Jesus, to forgive others. As you have forgiven me, I have no reason not to forgive others. Lord Jesus, will you now help those men and women who are raising their hands, Lord, many, many of them. Help them to experience your forgiveness today and to reach out to others to forgive others. Lord, perhaps they need to apologize to their brothers, to their sisters, to their siblings. Whatever it takes, Lord, help them To be willing to resolve the conflict, to resolve the broken relationships. Help all of us to reboot our relationships with people around us. Help us not to pretend everything is okay. Help us to live with a clear conscience. Lord, as our Heavenly Father, I understand you want your children to love each other. Lord, I am a father. I know I want my children to talk to each other. I know I want my children to love each other. And therefore, God, show us your desire that you want us to love one another because you are our Father. Help us, Lord Jesus, to love one another, especially our own family members. In Jesus' name we all pray. Amen and amen. God bless you, folks.
2: Connect with CCF through the following websites. Jumpstart your spiritual journey by joining a small group.
1: We are so blessed you were able to join us today. God bless and see you next time.